All right. You guys are back. Another episode of the Majestic Musings uh, with my brother Tombstone, the dead man. I'm Graydon Square. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, I'm able to get you on on Thanksgiving because I know everybody's probably running around. They're going to hear this episode afterwards mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I, I want to go ahead and, and wish everybody a, a happy Thanksgiving, a happy Christmas, happy winter solstice, happy New Year's. Be safe out there. Don't go get yourself sick. Don't go get yourself injured now is not the time to get injured to be going to the hospital for no reason so uh please be careful out there how you doing though brother well you know i'm hanging in there bro i've been uh of course doing my due diligence in the uh comic book genre yeah um yeah catching up with some stuff that i didn't um maybe some of these story arcs were uh, maybe a, a year or two old and I promised myself I was going to get into them, but I was already doing so much stuff I couldn't devote the time to it. So that's what I've been kind of doing. You've been reading DC Metal, haven't you? <laughs> no, that that's next, though. That's okay. next. Okay. That's next. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I don't know, man. There are parts about that that storyline I like, and other parts where I'm just like, this is boring. I'm sorry. You know? like, it's it's the Black Lantern thing with Batman mm-hmm. is boring. I mean, yes. after you, you know. <laughs> To me, the Batman who laughs story is way better. Yes. And I know yes. it's way newer. So to me, it's, and I know one yeah. hinges off the other, but it, it just, I can't get, yeah. I can't really sit through it in the same way as a lot of people have told me like, oh, it's so great, DC, all this metal stuff and all these tie-ins, but I'm not really getting them like that. They're just- Well, I think like, that's the problem. Yeah. I think sometimes they stretch a storyline out Too far. so far. That a lot of these books are filler, and I'm wondering if if the reason for that, if 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 there's a financial reason for that, like you're literally the more books you put out there, the more books people have to purchase to understand the story, or they think they have to purchase to understand the story, and you wind up making more money with that. But it 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 makes the story arc suffer as far as the um the narrative. It makes the story arc suffer. Yeah, well, it dilutes it, right? I mean, yeah. it dilutes yep. the potency of a story. I mean, it's like, you know, when Superman died in the 90s, obviously you remember right. this and how big of an event that was. And I think the right. only event that compared to it in the 90s mm-hmm. was um, Marvel versus DC. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's the only event, I believe, that can compare it. Now, yeah, yeah. Marvel D versus DC every fucking week? No, you, of course you could, no. right? You exactly. can't even do that once a year. I don't even think you can do that once a generation. That's literally a once a generation sort of thing. I don't want to see Batman and Captain America in the same fighting all the time in the same reality. Yeah, right. right. Dilutes the the um, the integrity of one storyline or one continuity over the other. It's not. It becomes not special anymore. It's like when we see Wolverine fight Sabretooth and they have the big brouhaha's. We might be excited to see where the writers go with it, but we've seen that fight dozens of times, right? right? So it doesn't have the same specialness as if you all of a sudden Superman's fighting Thor. Yeah, that's special because they don't exist in the same universe. So the fact that they get this one shot to prove who's the man, you know what I'm saying? Like, that makes it special, you know? It's interesting about what you said in, in, them, in them not existing in the same universe. I'll qualify that statement by saying this. They may not exist in the same universe, but they do exist in the same overvoid. Oh, they absolutely exist. They absolutely exist there. (laughs) So one thing I love about comic book continuity is at the highest levels, there is consistency. 
Yeah. You know, at yep. the highest levels, you have the two brothers, the Marvel and DC brothers. At the even mm-hmm. highest level, you have the the kind of story constructs of trope. Yeah. And, and where I believe kind of the highest order of existence actually is. Yeah. I'm not sure that we are in the bottom layer of reality. And I think, you know, when we get lost in TV tropes and the idea of trope itself, I believe mm-hmm. has a some sort of a, you know, existential property in reality. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't do anything without story. And the more, the Absolutely. older I get, the more profound the concept of story gets. Is it, do you think it's kind of like, you know, the old saying, I think, therefore I am. So the question is, what are you thinking about? What, what, what composes your thoughts? And when you go into the tropes, the way we express, you know, our thoughts is in tropey formats. Like I saw somebody the other day say um, they, they had a fundamental misunderstanding of what the TV tropes, for instance, website was. They, they thought that TV tropes invented these tropes. No. No. Absolutely didn't. They're categorizing them. Yeah. They did not invent them. These tropes were already out there, already in the ether, already being snatched and used by writers since back during the Gilgamesh epics. Mm. So, so, so it's like you said, this existential uh, uh, reality that is like a, a, a almost a, a meta reality where what why, how we describe certain phenomena in our base reality transcends the base reality. Agreed. Because you can go to any country, any uh, 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 a different tribe, any different nationality, some of these same tropes hold true. Still, to this day, across this day. Ages, across cultures. Uh, I mean, hell, I'm willing to argue, and I, there's no way I could, I could, I could. I think I know what you're about to say. Go ahead, let me see if yeah. I'm right. But I would say that that those tropes exist across species. I mean, I don't Dude. know how we would be able to, you know, know if the most intelligent ape is telling or communicating a story. Right. But right. it is a story what's happening to them. Yeah. And they yeah. can't exist without the concept of story. So Absolutely. I think it transcends species too. Well, when you speak species, it, it, I, I believe that if we were to actually find like like uh, an alien civilization they'd have similar tropes in their storytelling yep if they have a brain that that processes data anyway similar to ours and, you know and, what I'm one, and one would argue that intelligent that that evolution would only allow intelligence to evolve in a certain amount of ways exactly that is dependent exactly. on the concept of understanding trope you know right. the story of how you get information from an experiment has a lot to do with, I think, how you you uh, communicate that data, right? Point. That's a good point. So I don't even know if you're even able to develop higher advanced technology without the fundamental understanding of storytelling. Storytelling. I don't, because I don't even know I, if you can. I agree, dog. Because think about it. At the end of, no matter what version of the scientific method, that people use at the end of it is communicate your results right (laughs) communicate your results it's a results driven narrative that you're building right right and and you're you're gaining those results from trying to to take empirical uh data that is you know something that can't be you know that can be recreated in a sterile environment by independent parties if you have that ability 
and you understand that function in your storytelling, I'm assuming no matter what intellectual species you are, that's going to factor into your evolutionary development as a species. Yo, that is a very succinct and efficient way of like breaking that down. The fact yeah. is, you know, they have to take the data that they've accumulated and the experimentation, and they have to be able to communicate this to people who have not done the experiment yet and show their work. Like, you know, in math class, you have to show your work. Yep. So they literally have to go through the steps of what they did, what, they, what the question was, the journey to actually get the data and create the experiment and then communicate their results. It's storytelling. Right. It's right. storytelling. You, could you imagine, though, like, if you didn't have to show your work, <laughs> the magical <laughs> shit people would believe, like, abracadabra, the answer seven, motherfucker. Yo, <laughs> yo I, would, I would argue that there are spaces in reality right now where people don't have to show their work and, and, and benefit from not showing their work. That's a good, because, that's a good point. you know, they, they attack uh, uh, people's levels of credulity. If, if your level of credulity isn't that high, someone doesn't have to show their work. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, kinda, and that's kind of sad that we, we still live amongst yeah. a populace that will kind of take advantage of that because there's a lot yeah, of people who, who don't really understand that in that way and this is one of the things and, and this is a kind of a nice segue into our into another topic this mm -hmm. is one of the things i think that the wwe used to be known as the wwf did so well for so long right yeah their storytelling yeah. was on par with that of soap operas with that absolutely serialized tv absolutely. and when you look at the greatest wrestling story of all time there's one Okay. There's only one. There's one. There's one gimmick that when you use the word gimmick, you don't even really want to use it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. This person's right. persona because it was a persona from him. For those who don't know, you know, Mark Calloway, the person who has been the undertaker for 30 years, just mm -hmm. recently announced his retirement. And for those really not in the know, for those who, who don't really know, it's where Tombstone got his name from. So Absolutely. I kind of want you to go into your relationship with the Undertaker character, how you decided your name. A lot of people ask me, well, great, how did you come up with the name Graydon Square? Right. I tell that story all the time. But I don't think you get a chance to tell the story about your As name. As often, enough. yeah. Yeah, so um, why don't you tell the people? So what people need to understand is I have been rapping for 38 years. 38? I'm 39! <laughs> My man's been rapping since 1982, y'all. <laughs> right. Step up! Right. Yeah, you dig? So, over the course of that, that period of time, I've had many names. As oh, my, yeah. Um, Frost yeah, McFang, Chili McFree. <laughs> <laughs> what was those dude. names Austin was talking about? <laughs> Fang McFrost or some shit. It's like, these that temperature-based names. I wanted something cold. I love right. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like, I've had some names over the years, some names that were given to me, other names that I felt like fit where I was at at the time. Um, none of those names... I feel like looking back on it now, like captured who I was as a persona until the tombstone, the dead man. And that largely became because of two things, the movie, the crow and the undertaker. When I first saw the undertaker, it was when his, he made his first appearance officially because there was an appearance before that, but he had, he made a first, his first appearance officially 
like at Survivor Series. Okay. And when now, I saw, I don't remember the Survivor Series. I just mm -hmm. remember being young and The Undertaker was already a thing. So you remember wrestling before The Undertaker. Yes. I don't. There was an Undertaker. I don't. <laughs> Dude, I remember when Mark Calloway, and at the time, I didn't know this was the same guy. But I remember when Mark Calloway was in world-class wrestling in Texas with a completely different persona, all of that, you know. But I didn't realize this was the same guy. And when he first came out there, the first thing that I noticed is he resembled one of those old Western undertakers. Why that was important to me, one of the only things me and my stepfather ever bonded on was Westerns, mm. Clint Eastwood Westerns. Okay. And the, that undertaker look with the long coat and the all black with the hat, that shit is like a, it's a metaphysical trope to me. So when he came down the ring, I was like, death. Here comes death, right? And when I saw him go in the ring and he played into the whole thing where he was literally invulnerable. Mm -hmm. you could, you, even if you could knock him down, you can't keep him down. Right. His, his, his uh, facial expressions the entire time did not show any pain, no matter what they were doing to him. And he seemed like, oh, this dude's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. They can't stop him. And I instantly clued into him. Well, my name did not change at that point. I still had the rap name that I had at that point. It wasn't until after I had a, I had a series of events with the, mo the mother of my kid that were, ver that were bad, very disappointing. And it, it poisoned my outlook on a lot of shit, mm -hmm. a lot of shit. And I felt like the old me died. So I was, I was dead inside so i tombstone's a dead man mm. and it took it took a long time for me to um exercise that uh original uh uh feeling that caused me to change my name into that and the things that i was rapping about at the time because man the shit i was rapping about when i first became tombstone's a dead man the shit i was rapping about was toxic as fuck mm. yeah toxic as fuck yeah because i was still angry i was still in pain i was still disappointed and my outlook was just it was screwed up and over the course of, of, of years watching the undertaker evolve is kind of how i kind of evolved with a lot of that shit and he's i've been so closely connected to his imagery that even even musically even in my branding it's very connected to his sort of thing with the darkness and, and being a personification of death and all of that stuff I can honestly say to you that if it had not been for The Undertaker, I don't think, I don't think my career would have had as much meaning, nor would I have had that inspiration to pull from to make the songs that I've made that my fans like the most. Mm. That's wow. how important The Undertaker is to me. That's incredible. And, and first of all, I appreciate the insight, you know, because a lot of people... You know, they always want us to pull back the curtain and stuff like that. Yeah. And they want to see how yeah. the sausage is made. But then, you know, when they see it, it's like, ooh, I, I didn't I, I didn't know you went through that. Right. I'm sorry. I, didn't, <laughs> right. I didn't mean to right. even go there. And, you know, right. with, with both of our lives, you know, we've experienced some things that, trust me, you don't want to know how the sausage Trauma. is made. Trauma. You don't know how, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. And, okay. and there's a lot of people who, they, they miss that part in our music, the pain. 
yep. and the suffering because a lot of times we speak to an intellect where people feel like they can separate their emotions from mm -hmm. the, 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 the thought provocation. Yeah. And then sometimes we write these other songs where it's like, there's no way you can separate the emotion. <laughs> right. Right. Um, the, the undertaker for me, obviously he, he has not had as much of an impact on, on me as he's had on you, but he mm -hmm. has had a, a, a profound impact on me and my love for the business of professional wrestling. Absolutely. People call it sports entertainment. I'm going to forever call it professional wrestling. I'm going to call it pro wrestling, bro. Yeah. Like, I, I understand the need to remarket that when um, when Vince did that. I get the business side of it. But That's me, Hogan's fault. That's wrestling. Hogan's fault. I'm That's sorry. all Hogan. That's all Hogan. That's all Hogan. Speaking of which, you know they're doing a, um, a film about Hogan. And uh, Chris Hemsworth is playing Hogan. Really? Yeah, and he's getting so swole, dude. Oh my goodness. He's getting so swole. Yo, yeah. that's crazy. That's pretty yeah. I'm excited to actually see that. Yeah. Um, the thing about Undertaker, which is crazy, is that he gave legitimacy to the kind of the 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 theater aspect. The of, showmanship. Yeah, mm -hmm. the showmanship theater discipline of professional wrestling. And mm -hmm. you know, to be a pro wrestler, you're like part actor, part athlete, yep. part uh, fitness model, mm -hmm, part mm -hmm. uh, MC on the mic. Uh, part brand ambassador. Part brand mm -hmm. ambassador. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're playing so many hats. I, I got so much respect for people in the wrestling business. You have, people have no idea. I have probably, and I know this is sacrilegious to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I have probably more respect for people in the wrestling industry than people who who perform mixed martial arts at a professional level, and that's no, no but it's a it's a reason why it's a reason for that. Yeah, and and I, like I'm gonna let I want you to explain to folks, but I feel the exact same way you do. I feel the exact they are complete performers, right? They are complete. I performers. totally agree because the thing about the MMA artist is, and I'm not trying to throw shade to mixed martial right. arts. I, I love martial arts. I train Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You right. know, it, it, it to me it is exposed Hollywood martial arts for what it is. Oh, and hell yes. What actually works in actual fights instead of a lot of hell the yeah. stuff that we thought and when we were a younger society mm -hmm. would actually work. But the thing about a professional wrestler is the endurance it takes to do what they do week in and week, and week out, out and yeah. minimize injury in the way where it's like people call it they use the F word, right? Fake. I yeah, hate that. Yeah. I hate yeah. that. I hate it with a passion. It makes my blood boil. When people call professional wrestling fake, I'm that little kid. Like, it's not fucking fake. Fuck you. I'm that little kid. <laughs> Bro, you know, know who you're more like? I think you're more like Dr. D. David Schultz in that uh, 2020 interview when I forget the guy, that journalist's name, came through and tried to discredit their shit. He smacked the hell out of him. Oh, he slapped him. the shit out of him, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the but I, you know what? My, I don't remember that, but I have a mm -hmm. reference of Vader doing something. Remember when Vader slapped the shit out of that, uh, yep. that uh, reporter yep. in, where right. was he, like Saudi Arabia or some shit? Yeah. And yep. uh, they were going to, they kept his ass or something. He got like mm -hmm. arrested and they were going to keep his ass. They were going to keep his ass. They didn't, Vader was probably like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. But I do feel like this about professional wrestling. To, to do it at a high level, um, you have to be an exceptional uh, multi-hat performer. And right. those guys, 
the modern guy. So I went through a period where I loved professional wrestling as a kid, obviously went to the military, mm-hmm. came out and for about six or seven years, didn't watch it. Just when they had the hurricane, that was when oh, I, I checked out of wrestling. Cause I oh, was like, damn. I was seeing this dude and no shot. No, look, what's his name? Shane Helmsley. Yep. Shane Helmsley, yeah, Shane Helmsley is actually a very talented athlete and, yes, and performer. So I'm not trying to, yeah. but that gimmick and that time when they were trying to make the WWE a public company. Yeah. To me, the worst period in wrestling, even word, even, word. Post, even post the death of ECW and WWF buying WCW, right? Uh, it to me that was the worst part. And word. when that was going on, I just had completely checked out. Plus, MMA was getting huge at the time, and I was watching right. all these dudes come up and George St. Pierre, right. BJ Penn, and all these guys. So I'm just like, okay, I'm really in MMA, and wrestling can kiss my ass. And then <laughs> maybe it was about towards the end of the ruthless aggression era when mm-hmm. like the shield was there and you know mvp was like you know kind of still a younger guy and right, you know, right. a lot of the guys who were there weren't even there at right that point like like and i'm thinking like 2011 2012 ish something I started like that. to recognize like it was it was back to what i remember it being in my head right so i still didn't really watch it and about I don't know, man, maybe it was like six to eight months ago. No, I'd say it was about a year ago. I started watching old 90s uh, playlists of WWE. Dude, why are we the same? Why are we the same person? I'm literally watching all of this shit now. Like, I'm going back watching all this shit It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. Like, I watched Austin and Brian Pillman, the whole home invasion (laughs) angle pro. <laughs> Yo, how, how did how did the WWF actually get away with the yeah. stuff that it was doing back yeah. then? And that's yeah. just a testament to the '90s, bro. The True. '90s were raw, very much so. There was so much anti-culture and like just cynicism in the yeah. culture. Yeah, and it was like from the sitcoms to. You know, even Deep Space Nine, right? We, you know, Deep right. Space Nine as a show, it's a very dark version of Star Trek. And Absolutely, probably why people love it so much. The '90s was a dark part of America. It was a dark period. Yeah, yeah, you dark know? period. So, uh, the last thing I'll say about this is: Did you see the Undertaker and AJ Styles final match? Yes, I did, and it is brilliant. It is. He was in th- in this match. He was a mixture of all his personas. Because I saw the American badass come out. <laughs> I saw the dead man, that almost near indestructible dead man. I saw all of those different versions of himself come together in that final match, even with the flaws, even with everything, like consummate professional. And I got I to gotta shout out AJ, because I don't know too many people nowadays that would take a beating like that. It's just the way it's like WWE has gotten very polished, you know, very, uh, there's a formula there. That thing seemed to lack the formula. It reminded me of those old hardcore matches from the Mick Foley era. And I appreciated it. I was like, this is a throwback match. This is an absolute, with all the showmanship, with, with, with all of the, 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 the epicness with the stakes being what they were, the humor. Some of it was funny, 
Like, I just felt like they really did a good job with that. So and AJ took an ass with <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you're the one who initiated the fawning over AJ Styles. Because <laughs> let me tell you something, bro. I now understand what they mean when they talked about the charisma of Dusty yeah. Rhodes. Yes. I, yes. He is the modern day they Dusty, Dusty Rhodes. Rhodes. Yes, I yo. never yes. knew that type of charisma could yeah. be in a dude from the South like that. Yeah. I had no fucking clue. And Miles yeah. <laughs> is that fucking dude. He's that guy, no man. No question. He's that guy. And if you would have asked me, it, anybody knowing now who he is, if, if you mm-hmm. would ask me who I would have picked to be his last match, Undertaker's last match, it would have yeah. been AJ Styles. Maybe Kane, Absolutely. maybe Kane, but maybe Kane. Kane. But, but Kane's mm-hmm. face now, he's gonna be a face forever now. You know, he's yeah. like the Undertaker. You know, and he's, the the mayor. he's the he's the mayor now. He's yeah, mayor yeah. And, and, I, and I love Glenn Jacobs, but it's right. like I don't want to see him as a heel ever again. Like he's he's, he's he's such a he's such a cutie in my heart now. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't I don't want to see him like that. He's such a right. you know, he's the Undertaker's little brother. How can you hate right. him? You can't um, hate him. No, and that's also a testament to Undertaker because. At one point, Kane was the best big man in the business. He had his move list was such classic big man. Because for those who don't watch wrestling, there are classes in wrestling. Yes. Like you would find in RPGs and, and, and things of that nature. Um, you have the, the uh, speedster guys that do all this gymnastic shit. And they are their work rate in the ring is crazy. Uh, Ricochet comes to mind. Ricochet uh, comes to mind. Yes, Clark Gable comes yes. to mind. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of guys. There's a whole bunch of back in the day. The Great Muda, he oh. was one of them. He would about, backflip off the ropes and all that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Jimmy Superfly Snooker falls in that category. Yes. Yes. Um, I would also think, uh, even if you think in our era or I, you know, the nineties era, the attitude era, it's like Taka Mitsunoku and yes. Funaki and Absolutely. Like Ray Absolutely. Mysterio. These guys were like superheroes for real. The shit they would do, you would think is impossible. And they would pull that shit off every night, <laughs> every night they would pull off the impossible. Then you have the grounded wrestlers. The ones that are are grounded in technical knowledge, like a Chris Benoit. I know his name's not supposed to be said. Chris Kurt, Benoit. Kurt Henning. Kurt Henning. Oh my. Is it Kurt Hennig? It's a Hennig. H. In real life, it's it's Hennig Hennig. I think with yeah, a G. Yeah, with a G. I always. Well, I they used knew to go that wasn't saying, gonna be marketable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they knew that wasn't gonna be marketable. Yeah, who else would fall in that category? Oh, Kurt a Bret Hart. Kurt. Oh, Kurt Angle. He's the greatest. Hey, he's one of the greatest. He's the greatest, he, yeah. dude. These technical guys are um Dean Malenko. Th- these technical guys, they are in a class to themselves. And then you have the heavy hitters, the weapons of mass destruction. Mark Henry. These, these Mark Henry's big shows. These undertakers, these big shows. Kane. Kane, even Rikishi. Oh, you Rikishi these... does fall in that category. Yeah. Yes, he does. He he's he's very quick. I give you that. But his size, man, he lands on you. It's a wrap. It's okay. a wrap. So what's even crazier about we 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 have to, I, I you know I know our true wrestling fans are like you guys are going to make me cancel my subscription to your podcast if you don't mention uh, <laughs> what's his name um, the Japanese dude I can't remember his name uh, Yokozuna 
Yokozuna. Yeah, I, yo, his name was escaping me, and I was just yo. Like, actually, yeah. he, he actually, you know, he's Polynesian. He's not even Japanese. Really? Oh, he? Are you yep. serious? Oh, yeah, I did not Polynesian. know that. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, I apologize yeah. to all my uh, Polynesian people out there for trying to give the Japanese one of your boys. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but dude, Yokozuna was a threat. He and, and when he used to fight the Undertaker, this is the thing people don't realize. There were certain people Undertaker fought that have injured him. Uh, more so than any others. Big Show is one because he's moving around his weight. And mm-hmm. since Undertaker was a big guy and technically a super heavyweight, being that he was over 300 pounds, but he was tall and wiry where these guys were tanks. Yeah, massive. They would always put the Undertaker in there with these monstrous dudes. And he would have to push all that weight around. <laughs> like, That's crazy. And yeah. I think about people like Andre the Giant, who really didn't have peers at that time. Like, no, they, no. You know, so they didn't have. He didn't have to work like that. Whereas in mm-hmm. Undertaker, this is what makes Undertaker so great. To bring this all the way back around before we we switch topics, Undertaker's longevity. Yeah. In going through a period where he was the dominant big man. Well, he came in. He was the young big man, and he had to yeah. go out there and basically get over against big men who didn't respect him. Exactly. That's the first exactly. thing. And then exactly. being the consummate professional when the WWE was getting their ass kicked by WCW and not jumping ship. Because he could have easily went to WCW and, and made hella money. I bet you they would <laughs> exactly. I bet you they would have thrown fifty million dollars at the Undertaker. I bet you they tried no, to I, I guarantee you they not only would they have threw money at him, but they would have shortened Goldberg's um streak because death would have came for him. Yeah. Because oh, how no, do you sure. not take that branding? <laughs> I mean, I mean they have Kevin Nash break uh, Goldberg streak. I believe it was, or was it Hogan? I think it was Kevin Nash. I don't remember. I think it was Nash. Yeah. I think it was Nash. But that, yeah. if they're going to give it to Nash, and, 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 and no, no disrespect to Kevin Nash, but Undertaker is, is a just much better. Yeah, much, 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 much better. Much, much, much better, better wrestler. Everything. And you know what? When he became, um, when he became, some of his other personas that were still like hybrid dead men. Um, you started seeing his submissions. Yeah. All this shit you didn't know he could do. Yeah, he started. <laughs> he started pulling that shit out. Yeah. Gotta love The Undertaker, man. Gotta love The Undertaker. Well, uh, congratulations to The Undertaker for 30 years. Jesus. 30, 30 years, years in the industry. And I hope he never has to put his body on the line like that again. He could just ride off into the sunset. Absolutely. I loved how the ending of that match, though, just to, to put the final touch on it, mm-hmm. the ending of that, that AJ Styles Undertaker match, it was so dope, the match itself, because it was how I always wanted to see the Undertaker. Like, yes. I wanted to see him with the ability to be this uh, supernatural entity and yet he still was the professional wrestler that's going to fight these dudes. <laughs> and I love when the OC showed up. Because <laughs> those dudes, I love those dudes because they embrace being jobbers. Exactly. Love, like, we don't give jobbers enough credit. Enough credit, We absolutely. don't give jobbers enough credit. And I don't absolutely. mean a jobber in any type of negative connotation. I just mean guys who are coming in to put guys we love over. We love right. the Undertaker. We love the Undertaker. Like we, that, they, They're what's great. best for business. They are you know, what's best for business. Yeah. And I hope those yeah. guys are taken care of because it's like they are the ones who let us have our cake. Exactly. Know, our vegetables. And it's like exactly. we to eat them guys too and, and make sure that they get enough shine. Sometimes you got to put them over. 
Sometimes right. the, bad, the good guys got to lose to the bad guys a little bit That's so right. that they can feel like it's necessary for them to always eventually put the, the face over. Exactly. So. Exactly. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I noticed on your Instagram, you've been playing some No Man's Sky. Yeah, I've, I've jumped back in that because <laughs> it's so sad and pitiful. Because I can't play Star Citizen. Oh, yeah. I need some spaceship, man. Like, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Are you going to rebuild your system? Oh, yeah. I have to get a, a brand new system. I'm, I got some other things I need to take care of first. But that is definitely on my main priority uh, um, list. Once I get this other shit sorted, I have to get back in. Because the stuff that I'm seeing, like, listen, all, all, all due respect to um, Hello Games, I love the, the the turnaround they've done with the game. Okay. It looks better now. It plays better. There's a lot more shit to do in there now. Mm -hmm. And it's it's it feels like it feels more like exploration now, which is I'm I'm I have a nomadic mindset when it comes to I want to see stuff. I want to go right. go places, right? So it allows me to do that and there is enough interesting uh, uh variety in the planet landscaping. They've they've improve the algorithms and the um, procedural generation so the landscapes look better the sun rises we got volcanoes sandworms lightning storms hurricanes on planets all of that is dope but i gotta get back to start and you know what's crazy that if if that's what no man's sky is doing right now i mean don't get me wrong that's dope as fuck but that just makes me so much more excited for Star Citizen because right. we know they do that at such a high fidelity, what they do. Oh, exactly. And, and you know, our, our organization is just, you know, we have scaled so ready for when we get multiple systems at this point. Like, we're, we're getting to a point where Star Citizen just hired another whole studio. They just I, I just watched that video. And they're yeah. going to help them create, specifically to help create star systems. Dude, I just saw that video. Think about what this means, people. This means they're at a point now where they feel like server meshing is at a point where they can plan ahead money-wise. They're right. not spending money. That ain't right. how you just do if you ain't solve for some exactly, shit. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So they've exactly. legitimately solved for some shit to where they think they're going to have hundreds of systems. Right. Holy fucking shit. Dude, this is the thing about having um, that amount of systems. Now, there will be people that will say, well, No Man's Sky has more systems than that. Yeah, they do. However, it's procedurally generated. So th there is, they have improved the, 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 the software, but you can tell it's procedurally generated. With, with Star Citizen, what they do is they do some form of procedural generation only to get the basics up. And then they go in and handcraft these locales and all of that. So it's unique. It's crazy. And, and like you said, the level of detail. Terrifying. It, they, it's, 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 it's one of the reasons why I got to get back to it. Because as much as I, I enjoy the, 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 the uh, traveling and, and being a nomad and nomads, I don't build fucking bases. I go from planet to planet. As much as I enjoy doing that, there is something about flying into Atmo of a, of a world. Let's take, um, take any planet they have, Hurston, mm -hmm. going through the atmosphere and seeing the city, approaching the city. It's hard for me to really tell people who've never played it 
But but even yeah. tell them from this mm -hmm. perspective though, because it's it's hard to tell people that you're not just flying into atmosphere seeing the heat dissipate off your shields oh as you're goodness. flying into an atmosphere that may have some sort of storm occupying the city oh that you're getting goodness. ready to fly over but your physical body is actually on a ship looking out the right. window doing right it. and Dude, you're like something different you're able to zoom in and out from any place it, you know what would make star citizen terrible right if all What's this shit was true but you couldn't take views from different parts Thanks. right it'd be like Thanks. it would only be dope if i could see it from any perspective right. and it is on some other level don't get Dude. me wrong i'm sure no man's sky is great and i'm not ever talking about no man's sky as if it hasn't accomplished something great because it, right. it has it's not the butt of jokes anymore no but star citizen in my opinion with the multi role and crew aspect of it being able to be on a ship piloted by someone else with you know 50 80 100 people on the ship yes. 200 people on the ship of human players real human players yes. real right? human players right that that is just a different animal altogether dude it's it's so it's so it's so awe inspiring and i miss it so much that i have literally been harassing hello games because they like to take feedback. I've been going on their Twitter going, can we get multi-crew ships? Nah, can, we get, funny. can we get true space legs? Says, yes, we can walk around on the planets, but we, these ships, no matter how big they are, they're just a cockpit. You know what I'm oh, saying? It's just a cockpit. Yeah, you know, yeah. Can we get, like the freighters, in the freighters, you can have multiple people in the freighters, but it's not multi-crew in the sense that none of you are controlling any of the aspects of the ship. There's already NPCs in place that are controlling the aspects of the ship. All you're doing is putting in the coordinates. If you're trying to jump systems, you're putting the coordinates in and hitting the button and it goes. But it's not true multi-crew, multi-functional type mm. of a craft. And that, to me, is, is one. It just, and that's just one of the things that Star Citizen is doing. That's why I guarantee you those 100 systems are going to be more varied more beautiful, more epic than the 18 trillion planets that they have in No Man's Sky. I guarantee you this. Guarantee it. Yeah, and I think the reality about Star Citizen and No Man's Sky comparisons is that it's it is apples and oranges. It may yeah, not, not even be game. yeah, it may not even be that. It may even be some sort of a like they're not even in the same sport you know, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. They're trying to accomplish two different things. Two and that's why things. I'm never going to use something from Star Citizen to denigrate something from No Man's Sky. Right. However, I will say this. If you're asking me if I had to play one space sim out of all the space sims out there with a gun to my head, I'm absolutely going to choose Star Citizen. So be Star Citizen. that's just my, my personal perspective. It, it, I agree. I agree. Lastly, I, I have this to, uh, to, to end our show, and I'm sure it'll definitely open up a conversation. What are your <laughs> thoughts on the PS5? Okay, so here's the thing. I'm just going to put this out there right now so that everybody knows exactly where I'm coming from. I'm getting a PS5. The reason I'm getting a PS5, of course, it has to do with I, I like the games that, that I'm seeing that's going to be on there. But more so than that, it's tra tradition to me at this point. I've had every single fucking PlayStation. I'm going to get this one. What I will say is um, about the PS5, is I think it's, a, a, it's a, a great console. It looks to be a great console. People I know that have it, they enjoy it, they like it. I think people are kind of blowing it up a bit more 
because they're using an SSD and, and, and it, so did the games load in fast? I got to tell you, we've been doing that on PC for <laughs> like a half a decade. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, like, mean, I mean, well, I'll say this. I have, I, I want to get a PS5 for mm-hmm. one reason and one reason only. Right. Uh, MLB The Show, which is their baseball Ooh. game. And the problem is I'm an Angel fan and we have a player named Mike Trout. He's one of the right. greatest players ever. And I have not been able to use him because I've never had a PlayStation since PlayStation 3. Wow, no, dude. No, I didn't even own that PS3. That was that was somebody else's PS3 that I had. That's crazy. On, right? Crazy like that talk. wasn't even mine. So my thing is, I've never really owned a PlayStation except for the first one. Right. And I wonder if I just don't have the desire to get the new PlayStation because I have a PC and all the games that I play that I feel like of importance are on PC. Mm-hmm. And I also prefer Xbox controllers. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would end up getting an Xbox Series X S before I got a PlayStation. But right now, because of MLB the show, if I had to pick one or the other, the mm-hmm. consoles, probably going with a PS5, man. Well, this is the thing. Back in the day, I would always have whatever the competing systems were, I would have both. Because they had exclusives that you could get on one and not the other. Xbox doesn't do exclusives like that anymore. So I think a lot of people are getting it because, one, they like the tech. Mm-hmm. Two, um, they have a friends list of people that are on that they can consistently play with all of the damn time. So it's it's one of those things where a lot of people will sacrifice the improved graphics, improved frame rate, and all that to have people to play with. I've seen that argument being made. And to be honest mm-hmm. with you, that's not a bad argument. Um, right. When I play NBA, like sports games and stuff, I don't want to play mm-hmm. on PC. Not only do I not want to play on PC, but it's hard to get games against players on yeah. PC. Yep. And people yep. on PC cheat. So it's like you can't even, you're not even going to trust the fact that a person hit a jumper legitimately because Facts. you know he's using some keystroke algorithm yes. that has his timing down perfect and he's a big wing. <laughs> It's like, come on, bro. Like, I don't want to have Thanks. to deal with that. I'd rather have a 30 frames and a, you know, whatever slow I'll take my 30 time. frames. Yeah, right. exactly. yeah. I don't really yeah. mind. So for the console games out there, we understand. No one's taking a big dumper on you. We just, I feel like if you can have both, obviously it's a first world sort of situation and I'm not yes, taking that for granted. Uh, if, you, if you have the ability to do that, that's fine. Uh, PC gaming is awesome. Console gaming is awesome. I think this new console is showing people that P- what PC gaming is kind of like. And yes. It's a good introduction to PC. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. So you like when stuff loads fast, right? Oh, so you <laughs> like the ability to, hey, check this out. You can actually, you know. So, <laughs> so anyway. True, true. So what are you reading right now, man? Are you reading anything? Yes. Um, so I've been reading uh, uh, The Maestro. Okay, and it's a it's a it's a story about Hulk as he went into the future, um, not through any time traveling thing. Through legitimately, he was encased in something by AIM or whatever, and it held. They held him for years and years and years. He comes out. The world is different because um, the place was nuked, and and one of the things he says about that is all those years we spent fighting these costume villains because they were supposed to be the biggest threat to the world at the time. And mm-hmm. as it turns out, the people we were protecting, the regular people, they were the threat because they destroyed the world. 
thought that was very insightful, right? Wow. So, yeah, so he comes out, and, you know, that story, Future Imperfect, that old classic Hulk story, where, where he meets the, 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 the past version of him, meets the future version, who's a despot called the maestro, that's in this universe. That's the same universe. Oh, and it wow. shows you how he eventually became the maestro. You know who was the maestro first? Who? Hercules. And Hercules is Damn. such a badass. And, and they had a recent fight in there. And man, oh man, the Shevitz, Hercules showed he's the son of Zeus. <laughs> so, so you got to kind of, I know he's a dum-dum, but you're going to have to put some respect on that man's name. Because he's the son of Zeus. And the beatdown he gave Hulk, I've rarely seen Hulk take a beatdown like that. Um, and it's one of those things where I like the um, fleshing out of Future Imperfect. Because in that old story, we kind of, they kind of bring us in when Hulk is already maestro. Now we get to see Hulk become maestro in that, in that, that universe. And it's, it's pretty dope. I've been reading that. I caught up with Captain Marvel. Um, her sister is badass. She has a sister. She's okay. absolutely a badass, and she's become the new accuser. You know, you know, Ronan the accuser. Yeah, Ronan the accuser. The she, her sister has become the new accuser, and okay. she is a badass. That's dope. And um, I think, I think that's. I think those are the only ones I've been consistent on. Of course, Thor. Right. I've been reading Thor. He hasn't. He's having issues over there, and it's dope. <laughs> And I'm waiting for um, the King in Black next month. Okay. King in okay. Black. Yeah, waiting for that. Yep. So because Star Trek uh, Discovery Season 3 has been on, I've been reading a lot of Star Trek comics. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I read more Star Trek comics now than I probably ever have. But one okay. that I've been reading over and over again right now is this uh, Star Trek Waypoint. It's like a collection of short stories. Oh, that sounds dope. Form. And there's this one where Uhura is essentially trapped on this planet she's just stranded and she meets this mm -hmm. being and the being and her can't communicate but they obviously figure out that each other are friendly and they kind of hang out for a short time right. but this being is like a, a primitive being and then towards the end she gets transported out of there but from the perspective of this being it's like magic and then so he just walks into <laughs> the the back into like the forest and it's like right. the end and it's just like you take from this story, it's like, wow. You see what I'm saying? Like the, the wow. If you think about being a primitive being and interacting with such a technologically advanced being, how could you process that? You can't communicate. Ooh. You you're essentially trying to mimic things that it can do intuitively. It's a it's a it's a beautiful story, and in, right it, the way that it's depicted uh, is is very well done. And I think that it provides a greater context into the, the type of lessons that Star Trek is really supposed to teach us in that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of entertaining sci-fi, but there is supposed to be meaning in these stories well, in that way. Yeah, that's kind of what the... Now, look, I get it. Over the course of time, um, with just, as with most fiction, people are going to take from it and add their interpretation of what it's supposed to be. But initially, look at the original episode. Original series, they, you they, you learned lessons, either about uh, it was a commentary on the social political climate of the mm. time, or a statement about uh, uh, the human equation. But it was something there you pulled from it, and I get some people just want the flashy ships blowing up and 
the lasers flying. I get it. <laughs> but for me, Star Trek always left me with something after I watched it. Something to ponder, something to chew on. Like, ah, all right. And, I, you know, I'm older. I'm, I'm from the old uh, uh, after, after school special era. So maybe that has something to do with it. Super friends. <laughs> Super friends. That has something to do with it. But I, I like Star To me, Star Trek is at its best when it's giving me some shit that you want. Like, after the show's off, I'm sitting there going, hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's me, exactly I get to enjoy what, it on a lot of different levels. That's you know? exactly what this comic does. And this just, once again, I always uh, thank you for reintroducing me to comics because remember I you know between you and Ike it was like yeah. I wasn't even really into comics like that oh like, dude it it's, just... it's been one of the genuine I, I call that a feat that's a feat to me when I tell I tell people about that about your love of comics talking about comics yeah yeah like all to me that's a feat I was like yo my man's my brother was not into he he, he used to be but then he kind of came out of it oh, and yeah. when he when we brought him back into the shit he went full. So I always tell a story about how when I introduced you to the Marvel Comics database yeah. and how you spent an entire week on that site. I couldn't believe <laughs> it. On that site. It was so like, many things crazy. on there that I didn't know anything about. It was when I reevaluated my affinity, or at least I, how powerful I thought Apocalypse was. Because I used to think right. Apocalypse was so powerful. And then Me I too. learned about the Celestials and the Living Tribunal and the, all kind of small He's in comparison really to these guys. <laughs> He's a tiny god. He's not even <laughs> a god. He's a, no, yeah. he's a tiny, yeah, exactly. He's a tiny, so. tiny god. But yeah. um, so yeah, man. Uh, don't forget to catch us if you guys uh trying to catch us on Discord or something like that. You guys can always reach out. Our Discord's in the link. Uh, check out Tombstones Music, Tombstone the Dead Man dot Bandcamp dot com dot slash music. I think it is. Right. Or you can just and go dot com. Also, yeah, and you can check out my YouTube channel of the same name, Tombstone the Dead Man. Absolutely. Also, he's on Spotify. He's on everywhere. Don't forget to add him. Uh, if you guys have any questions, just hit up, hit us up on Discord. And for, for that, this is uh, my name is Graydon Square. I am Tombstone the Dead Man. And thank you guys for listening. Peace, peace, peace out.